Welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. As usual, I am excited to have you guys here with me as we are taking this journey into the Word of God, looking at uh, each book, each chapter as we move through the uh, book. And if you guys know, it's going to be a little while that we will ever come to the end of this um, channel as far as the books. We have a lot of data, if you will, to cover. And I just want to take the time and go through it because I know that um, the Bible is such a book of power. There's all kinds of things within the Bible, the history of a people and um, all the different nations around at the time that God called his people from uh, all the way from Adam all the way to Abraham and all the way through to Jesus and so forth. And so there's a lot in there that people tend to uh, misconstrued, uh, people interpret different, starts, start religions out of um, some of the interpretation. All of these different things man has done with the Word of God. They have used it to commit uh, crimes all through the century. God is not a God of religion. He, religion actually is the enemy of what he is all about. God is a God of relationship, individual relationship. He came to, if you read Genesis, he met with his creation in the evening. He met with Adam and Eve in the evening, and he was talking on an individual basis. And Jesus Christ tells his disciples, what is the greatest commandment? And they, he says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So he is also talking about a relationship with God. One of the incidents that we are going to read about in the New Testament was when that veil was ripped from the top all the way to the bottom, and God himself rented that veil because no one could reach where it was in the temple. It was a signal to mankind that now we, everyone, I don't need a priest, I don't need a pope, I don't need anyone to take me into the presence of God no more. I don't need that. We have a high priest in heaven who is Jesus Christ sitting right next to the Father, but also the Bible says that you and I are priests and king, a royal priesthood. So we have that same... um uh, that same authority, if you will, as any priest to go into the holies of holies. And that is why any religion that has a man, per se, as your intermediator uh, um, between you and, and God, absolutely crazy. The Bible says there's only one person who's a mediator between God and man. That's Jesus Christ. There is nobody else. So I don't need a pope. I don't need anybody, the teacher or the pastor and all those things. Their responsibility is to educate us on the Word of God so that we will become better um, sons of God, as uh, more equipped, the Scripture says, so that we wouldn't be tossed back and forth by the wind of every doctrine. So uh, that's why I wanted to go into the Bible and look into some of the things that we deal with as a human race, but also as individual and the book of Exodus is about a people leaving from bondage to freedom, to the quote-unquote 
the promised land. And that's the journey of Christians. You were, you and I were in bondage and we are going, and God is leading us to the promised land, which is in heaven. And we're going to encounter some, uh, situations in our life. And so what we are excavating from this book is how to respond to those, um, situations that come into our life. You see that if we respond through murmuring, which the children of Israel did all the time, they were contrary to what God wanted. They were walking contrary to one, to how God wanted. And God got uh, frustrated with them, and he promised the Holy Ghost said in, in, that he will never allow them to enter into his rest because of their murmuring, complaining, their attitude when the situation comes before them. Then we've been looking at Moses' attitude and his mindset as to how he behaves in uh, the same situation. So we are trying to endeavor through teaching and talking about this to give you insight how to adjust your mindset as you are now part of this new kingdom. Because as I've said to you, the Bible says, that we have been translated from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God's dear son. So we're looking at how to apply principles within this new kingdoms, uh, kingdom so that you and I can get our desired outcome. Even though these uh, people got their desired outcome, it was not because of them. It was because of Moses. And so... In, in in our life, there are several ways that faith can be utilized. We know that Jesus says the fate of your friends caused the man to be healed when they opened the roof and put him down. We know that Jesus turned to some people in the, in the scripture and he says, in one particular, the woman with the uh, issue of blood, he says, your fate has made you whole. The two blind men that yell, he says, so be it unto you according to your faith. And then we know that Jesus Christ went about healing people that didn't have any faith. So the faith of Jesus was able to heal people. We know that uh, one of the instances where the man at the pool of Bethesda, that whole pool and everything around, all that pool was surrounded by uh, crippled, blind, paralyzed, um, paraplegic, all kinds of people were in there. And yet the scripture says Jesus saw that man. And I believe that Jesus saw him because that man had faith. Because Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And he says, yeah. He says, um, but sir, every time I try to get to there, when I try to get to there, someone steps in. So we see that the man had faith and he was pushing to get there. And Jesus recognized that man's faith in him. And he located him by a question. And then he pulled it out and show us and the man that this man had faith to get healed, and then Jesus healed him. He says, pick up your bed and walk. So that ingredient by which we get our, our blessing from and our, our uh, desired outcome is faith, and we've been looking at that because the Bible says in Romans that herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. So he expects you and I, to walk by faith, it tells us that the just shall walk and live by faith. So he expects that ingredient to be visible in order for us to get our prayer answered. And we see that 
Every time it's visible, it's visible in Moses, and he gets his prayer answered. And those that do not operate within that, because the scripture says, without it, it is impossible to please God. And we have to first believe that he is God, and that he is a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. So our fate is to access our reward. So we have been looking at, um, we, we did a backtrack and we focused a little on um, uh, what we did with uh, the manor situation and someone had addressed me and I, I wanted to go back. And before that we did where Joshua had discomfort, uh, this, uh, comforted the uh, Amalek. And uh, I want to finish up on there. And then because we are going through, they have an assignment. Remember, Moses has an assignment that God says, I want you to meet at Mount Sinai because I have a couple of things for you there that we need to discuss. And he had actually told um, Pharaoh that. He said, hey, God said release his people because we got to go to Mount Sinai to do some business there. And so let's clean up um, this particular part of it uh, because there's some good insights here that we see and we're in Exodus 17 and we are at the end verse 14 and the Lord said unto Moses write this in a form in a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua for I will utterly put out of remembrance uh, of Amalek from the heavens and Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah's Nisi means, this is one of God's uh, names or titles that we are known to him. And um, uh, it is, it means the Lord is my banner. And so let's continue. And I'll do a study one day on the names of God because it talks about your character. Our name houses some of our characters. Remember the scripture says, Jesus, God knows us by name. And so um, he knows you and I by name before the foundation of the earth. So our name carries some of our character in there. So that's why it's very important what your name is. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to gener uh, generation. Amalek is one of the descendants of Esau. And we know that these guys, Esau... We know who he was and what was his um, claim to fame. He, Esau was the one that killed, from our study, uh, we know that he killed Nimrod. He cut off Nimrod's head. And you remember when that story, when he was late coming to cook his, his dad's favorite food? That was because he was running and hiding from Nimrod. He had killed Nimrod, and Nimrod's people were hunting him down and so forth. And um, Joseph... And his mom took advantage of that and stole his birthright. And uh, that's his claim to fame. And uh, they reunited and so forth. So we're going to look at, um, uh, we're going to clean up this and then we're going to look into, go forward where we talk about Jethro and his Moses' wife and stuff like that so that we can uh, focus on some incidents that happened here. Because I want to bring back to your memory what happened with his wife that he uh, Moses had married while he was with Jethro. So let's um, take a peek into some data 
and the book of Josephus concerning this war. Again, we're just cleaning up some information. So the armies joined battle, and it came to pass to, um, to a close fight, hand to hand, both sides showing great uh, um, tenacity there, occurring and encouraging one another. And indeed, Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven. The heavens were, um, the Hebrews were too hard for the, uh, the um, Amalekites, but Moses not being able to sustain his hand, thus stretched out. And so we know that he sat on a rock and Aaron and her assisted him. Okay? So after that, that's when all things began to change and the Hebrew began to conquer the Amalek by force. And indeed, uh, they had all perished unless the approach of the night and ob obliged the Hebrews to digest from killing anymore. So our forefathers obtained a more signal and most seasonable victory, for they not only overcame those that fought against them, but terrified also the neighboring nations, and got great and splendid advantages which they obtained of their enemies by their hard pain in the battle. And so, uh, for when they had taken away the enemy's camp, they got ready booty for the public, for their own private family, whereas till then they had now any sort of plenty or even necessity of food. So we are seeing the forementioned battle when they had once got it was also the occasion for prosperity, not only for the present, but for the future ages ago also. For they not only made slaves of the bodies of their enemies, but subdued their mind also. And after this, common use of their families, many utensils also that were embroidered, they were of both sort, that is, of what were waved, and what were the ornaments of their armor, and other things that serve for use in the family, and for furniture of their room. They got also the prey of their cattle and whatever use of uh, everything. So they got everything. They took everything. So the Hebrews now valued themselves upon their courage and claimed great merit for their valor and their perpetual uh, insure themselves to take pains. So we see they are getting the bounty from their battle, the victory. And so you and I, when we are in a battle, the bounty of our battle is that reward for, the Bible says, they who come to God must believe that he is God, and he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, the bounty. On the next day, Moses stripped the dead bodies of their enemies and gathered together the armor of those that were fled and gave reward to such as it signalized themselves in action and highly commanded Joshua, their general, who was attested to be uh, the army on account of great action he had done. Now, was one, was any one of the Hebrews slain, but the slain of the enemy's army were too many to uh, enumerated. So 
they kill a lot of people, basically. So uh, Moses offered thanksgiving and built an altar, which he called the name of the Lord, the Lord, uh, the conqueror, he called his name. So we see now that that is what happened there. And so after that, we see that they are heading to um, Mount uh, Sinai. Let's take a look in the book of Yasher and clean up in there. And the children of Israel smote Amalek and his people at the sword. And the battle was very sore upon the children of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this thing in a memorial for thee in a book and place it in the hand of Joshua, the son of Nun. So Joshua got some written information from uh, Moses in a book format. And it tells us that um, he wrote all of this stuff down in a book and he gave it to him. And so let's take a look at, um, uh, we are now in the legend of the Jews. And again, we're cleaning up here before we go to when he starts heading towards Mount Sinai. Joshua acted in accordance with these commands. This is after Moses tell him what to do, how to fight the battle. And he went into the battle and he was obedient to the word of Moses, because this is Moses' um, right-hand man. And so he sat down and he told him, he says, um, it, that this is how you do it. Although Amalek had not received the merit punishment for the hand of Joshua, still his enterprise against Israel had not been entirely unavailing. The miraculous exodus of Israel out of Egypt, and especially the, um, the cleaving of the sea, had created such an alarm amongst the heathen that none amongst them had dared to approach Israel by their fear vanquish as soon as the Amalek attempted to compete in battle with Israel. Because, as I mentioned to you guys, people are beginning to become aware of the children of Israel, but they're also becoming aware of their God, because they're speaking of this God that is the creator of heaven and earth, and that they're seeing the outside or adjacent um, people, nations, are hearing about this. We read re recently after that that the reputation of the children of Israel began to um, spread even more, more after this, um, this Amalek battle. And the people began to become really known and their God, not just them. They are known by their God as the scripture says. And so uh, we know that, um, uh, let's, let's go on and finish up this thing. And it says, God had at first left the war against Amalek in the hand of his people. Therefore, he bade Joshua, the future leader of the people, never to forget the war against Amalek. And if Moses had listened intently, he would have perceived from his command of God that Joshua was destined to lead the people into a promised land. But later, when Amalek part in the destruction of Jerusalem, God himself took up the war against Amalek, saying, By my throne I vow not to leave a single descendant of Amalek under the sun. Yea, no one shall even be able to say that this sheep or that whether belong to the Amalek. Those people, guys, remember, God destroyed. Um, people want to know why God had destroyed a lot of um, uh, nations. And a lot of those nations that he destroyed because of how they treated 
his people. I want to keep warning you guys about that. And we know that some of them, when Joshua came in to uh, Canaan and all that stuff and what God uh, instructed him to do was to destroy all of them. Why? Canaan found a book, that book we know from the Book of Giants, that was, so he had the Book of Giants, basically. And in the Book of Giants, it tells you how to make um, Nephilims and how to make giants as a formula, how to do it. And Canaan went and started doing it. That's why when the children of Israel showed up, there were giants in the land because Canaan had began to utilize the knowledge from the book of giants. Remember when the children of Israel were taking a, gra a grape, a bunch of grapes, it took two men to take because they had to feed giants and those little grapes wouldn't do anything. So they learned how to manipulate um, uh, agriculturally to provide. So you, if the grapes were that big, all the other things. So that's when God came in to those areas, you will see that he commanded Joshua to destroy all of them because they were an abomination. There was not stuff that he was, they were mixed with an abomination, and he instructed him to destroy them. All right, so that's your lesson for today as far as that is concerned. So now we want to go back because after they built this altar, he begins to start the journey and uh, head in to um, Mount Sinai area. Okay, so let's talk about this and Pick it up in the book of Exodus. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zephyrah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of one was Garshan, and said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my fathers said, He was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro's father-in-law came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped him at the Mount of God, or Mount Sinai. And he said unto Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am come unto you and your wives and her two sons. Now let's see what Moses did, and then we'll go back to the other sources. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did um, kiss him. He bowed to his father-in-law. and. Um, and they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. He's preaching. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord 
who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the Pharaoh who has delivered his people under the hands of the Egyptians, uh, from under the hands of the Egyptians. Now I know, for now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So now he is getting first-hand information as to this God. I keep telling you guys that he came on the scene and that the Bible tells us, and I think in one of the, in one of the data that we read, it says that after Jacob died, God had quieted himself in talking with the children of Israel until Moses came around. So, um, uh, they didn't know who he was. And then this God came and he began to do great things and introduce himself to them. He announced, he says, today I shall become your salvation. Why? Because we've talked about it many times. He owns salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord, the scripture said. So if it belongs to him, no one else owns it. Period. And so we see then that Jethro, um, Moses' father-in-law, after he was um, told the story, this is what he did. And, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrificed for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat um, to judge the people, and the people stood with Moses for the morning on the evening. And we will see then that Jethro comes in and began to give him some wisdom how to manage his flock, if you will. So that is Exodus chapter 18. Okay? And um, I want to take you guys back. I think it's in, I think it's in uh, um, Jasher, the book of Jasher, chapter 79. Remember after God um, came to Moses and he said to Moses, hey, I want you to go and deliver the children of Israel from uh, the Egyptian. And uh, Moses kept complaining, I can't talk, I can't do this, whatever, whatever. And then the Bible tells us that, the book of Yasha tells us that God sends up Aaron. He says, hey, your brother's going to become, kiss him and talk to him and, and you know, uh, I'll make him your, your mouthpiece and stuff like that. Greet your, you know, kiss his greeting of uh, his brother and so forth. So I want to go back in there because I want to remind you of an incident that took place so that you can see now um, this meeting and the impact of this meeting on the children of Israel with Moses. Let's go back to chapter 79. And the Lord appeared unto him in that place and said unto him, Go now towards Moses in the wilderness, God appeared to Aaron. And he went and met him in the mountain of God on Sinai, and he kissed him. And Aaron lifted up his eyes and saw Zipporah, the wife of Moses and her children, and he said unto Moses, Who are these unto you? He looks up, he sees the sister and her kids, you know. And Moses said unto him, They are my wife and my sons, which God gave me in Midian. So he says, God gave me this. This is my family. And the thing grieved. Aaron, on account of the woman and 
her children watch that because that is important because we're going to see some stuff about that and Aaron on account of uh, and the thing grieved Aaron because we will see later on that Miriam and Adam uh, Aaron came to uh, Moses about this thing and God had to intervene and he showed up in a mighty way and we're going to talk about that because the world has to deal with this stuff racism and um, we see God's attitude towards it in the in relationship to the children of Israel and racism in our life and our people but the black people if we look into history was Egypt that they were in and uh, they were black people that was the black nation and also it was the destruction of Egypt in my mind as to the darkness, the dark color of Israel, of, of Egypt. Because when God saved um, Pharaoh, he didn't send him back there. He sent him to Nineveh, if you guys remember. He teleported him into Nineveh, and uh, Pharaoh ruled over there for a long time, it stated. So the people, you have to remember that Egypt was an area um a focal point for trading, and all people from all nations and so forth used to come to train. Now, all that was remained in that country at the time were the women. And so these women that were remaining in Egypt, because it tells us that the men were all drowned and destroyed. And so the women were there by themselves, and I believe that's when the mingling changed in the color, the skin color, tone of today's Egyptian is not the tone of the original descendants of the Egyptians. Because you have to remember, the seeds, the men, were all killed. Just want to drop that out there. Anyway, so we see that Moses... Okay, Aaron actually, he was, he was grieved on account of the woman and her children. And Aaron said to Moses, send her away, send the woman away and the children, that they may go to her father's house. And Moses listened to the words of his brother Aaron and did so. And Zipporah returned to her with her children and they went to the house of rule and remained there until the time arrived. When the Lord had visited his people and brought them forth from Egypt from the hand of Pharaoh. So we see that this meeting with Zipporah is going to be a shock to these people. And we see that intro in the book of Exodus chapter 18. And um, I just want to bring that to you guys recollection because that was um, what took place so that you can see um, what happened here and as the, now they're coming and they're now meeting Zephora and his kids some stuff is going to happen because they were just running away from the black people if you will um, so um, uh, Jethro shows up Smite is, uh, we were going to take a look at the legend of the Jews. 
So this might a smoke's corner and simple with will beware, the destruction of Amalek brought Jethro to his senses. Jethro was originally in the same plot with Amalek, both having incited Pharaoh against Israel. But when he saw that Amalek had lost this world and the other, he repented of his sinful ways, saying, There is nothing left to me but to go over to God of, to the God of Israel. And although he dwelt in the greatness, the greatest wealth and honor, he determined to set out for the desert to Moses and his God. And he arrived at the camp of Israel. He could not enter in, for it was enveloped by the cloud that none could pierce. Hence he wrote a letter to Moses and shouted off with shoot it off with an arrow so that it <laughs> fell into the camp. The letter read, I adjure you by the two sons and by your God to come to meet me and receive me kindly. If thou wilt not do if uh do it um for your sake, do it for the sake of your wife's sake. And if thou wilt not do it for her sake, do it for your son's sake. For Jethro brought with him his daughter, Zipporah, from whom, whom Moses had been divorced, as well as his two sons, his only children. For after her separation from Moses, she had wed no other man. At first, Moses was inclined to give her no ear to this letter, but God said to him, I thought those who those words would come into being. I bring men to me, and do not thrust them back. I permitted Jethro to approach me, and did not push him from me. So do thou too. Receive this man, who desires to be taken himself under the wings. Isn't that wonderful? I, I love that stuff. Um, Shekinah. Let him approach and or the Shekinah glory, which we call in um, in the Christian church, the Shekinah um, or the Shekinah glory. If you will let him approach and do not repulse him, go here with taught Moses that one should repulse with the left hand and back with the right hand. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, together with the seventy elders of Israel carrying with them the sacred ark, hearken to welcome Jethro kindly. So we see that there was some behind-the-scenes stuff that I wanted to bring to you guys. Attention. And so we have these people now, okay, um, going and uh, Moses and his uh, wife, uh, you see in this particular, the Jubilees, the, the not the Jubilees, the um, the legend of the Jews said that he was um, divorced from her. And so um, let's take a look at the uh, um, book of Yasher. It doesn't mention that, but we'll continue to read it. And again, like I said, I love bringing all these wonderful pieces together so that we can get an insight as to what's going on. And the children of Israel proceeded to Rehodim, and they encamped it in the wilderness of Sinai in the third month, going 
forth from Egypt, and it came to pass that the Mennonite father, father-in-law of Moses, with Zipporah his daughter, and her two sons, had heard of the wonders of the Lord, which had been done to Israel, that he delivered them from the hand of Egypt. And Raul came to Moses to the wilderness where he had encamped it, where was the mountain of God. And Moses went forth to meet his father-in-law with a great honor, and all of Israel with him. And Raul and his children remained amongst the Israelites for many days. And Raul knew the Lord from that day forward. So he had a relationship with God. And the onset he talked about God is interested on individual relationships. That's why Jesus came to afford man the opportunity to answer the question that God had asked Adam in Genesis chapter 3 when he said to Adam, where are you? And so when, because of that separation that we had, because of disobedience, sin came because of disobedience, and even today, it was it was a lack of faith in God's word that um, Adam and Eve showed, and that was what had happened to them. And so, this is what we were talking about. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed that man was supposed to live from faith to faith. Adam failed the test, and God had to still come back to tell man. That this is how I want it to be from faith to faith. You gotta trust in me. And disobedient is sin, which is anything that is not of faith is sin. And so his faith in God fell. He lost his faith. And as a result, he was obedient to Lucifer's word versus the word of God and lost his headship. And God is still interested in that question, where are you? And each one of us have to make our way back to God to answer that question. Here I am, Lord. What would you have me do? So it's an individual thing. It is not a religion. Religion is not from God. But a relationship with all about, and that's what he's interested in the children of Israel from faith to faith. And so he's about to escort them into that journey. And we are looking and excavating as we see that every situation he wanted and recommended that they come by faith. And because the scripture says we have to come, we have to first believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him, seek him that faith. You have to use it because that's the ingredient that activated Jesus. It's the ingredient that activates God. If you look at Jesus' life, he said to his disciples every time, where is your faith? Where is your faith? If you have faith like this, you're going to see this outcome. And so, um, and then the Bible just documents what people did and received by their faith. You see, and so, when you look and read all those stories in the Bible, it's people's faith in what you're looking at. They believe God and they acted on it. They didn't believe God and acted on it. And so we're seeing in the Bible a walk of faith because he had designed it 
that we should be walking by faith from faith to faith. And that's how we get to know him and trust him more and rely on him more as he proves himself more and more and more. So we know that he remained with the Israelites for many days and knew the Lord from that day forward. So he had an encounter with God and it changed his life. And in the third month of the children of Israel depart from Egypt, on the sixth day thereof, the Lord gave the children of Israel Ten Commandments. And we're going to look at that next week because that's important. Um, we're going to look at the origin of that. We're going to go into the book of Jubilees as another source of information. And we're going to read some of the book of Jubilees when it begins because it goes into much detail about what took place on that mountain that is not mentioned in several other books. And the book of Jubilees is one of the books that Moses got while he was up there on Mount Sinai. So we're going to look into all of those things. So we see from different perspective what it said about um, Jethro coming in, in the legend of the Jews. It states, and it doesn't state in any other um, writing so far as we're reading, that they were divorced and she came. And it's the only place where we saw mention of that. And then we are going to then continue to uh, read. Let me finish up in Josephus and see what the historian said, that Moses kindly received his father-in-law, uh, Jethro, when he came to him, to Mount Sinai. That's the title of this particular chapter in Josephus uh, 3. Chapter 3 says, Now when Raul, Moses' father-in-law, understood in what a preposterous condition his affairs were, he willingly came to meet him, and Moses and his children pleased himself with his coming, and when he had offered sacrifice, he made a feast for the multitude near the bush he had formerly seen, which multitude, even one according to their family, partook of the feast, but Aaron and his family took Raoul and sung hymns to God as to him who had been the author, the procurer of their deliverance and their freedom. They also praised their conductor as him by whom virtue it was that all things had succeeded with them. Raoul also in his enthusiastic uh, orientation to Moses made a great numerous um, enumeration upon the whole multitude and he could not be uh, could not but admire Moses for his fortitude and that humanity he had shown in the delivery of his friends so um, next uh, week we're going to pick up a couple of things uh, we're going to pick up uh, the, the following day we see that meeting that Moses had, we briefly mentioned it, and then um, it was in that meeting after he finished that Raul or Jethro, his father-in-law, began to give him wisdom how to manage the people of Israel, and that's from that day forward, we see that was instituted and became a reality in the children of Israel, and that came from Jethro 
that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding came from his father-in-law, as I said, who was a black man that uh, had instructed him in wisdom. So I want to thank you guys for following me, man. This has been so much fun. We're getting some good insights, aren't we? I know I am loving it. And so I want to welcome you guys and thank you for sharing the podcast with others because I do appreciate it so that we can grow this site, man. I want to grow. I am asking you guys to like and subscribe so that we can grow the channel because I want people to come and um, embark on a journey with us. I'm not here preaching uh, to you guys. I'm just showing you principles within the Bible as we are walking, listening, and giving you um, some of the behind-the-scenes information. As far as the preaching, I'm just telling you guys what the Word of God says, and that's up to you guys what you do with your belief. But I always welcome people to switch kingdoms, if you will, to be because I don't know who you guys are. Um, I'm sure I have many brothers and sisters that are in the kingdom of darkness because I was there. And I was able to switch kingdom. And um, through what the Bible calls born again, being born again basically is how one enters into a kingdom, being born. Forget about being born again. Let's talk about being born. I was born into the kingdom of, of darkness. And so you and I, uh, Nicodemus asked Jesus Christ, how are we going to enter the different kingdom? He says, you must be born again. You have, Nicodemus says, oh, am I going to go into my mom's womb and be born? Jesus said, what's wrong with you, you ignorant? Uh, uh, and he was religious, you know what I'm saying? So God didn't come for religion. And so he, Jesus says, no, you must be born again of the Spirit. You have to accept the way by which now, when you talk about being born of the Spirit, means that when in the old new, in the old kingdom your spirit was corrupted. So when you become born again, the Bible says, behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. You now are given a new spirit. And that spirit is the conduit by which now you're hooked up to God so that you can have that individual um, relationship with him. And that's what I invite you guys to come and do. That's all this is. And then you have to learn, just like everyone else, as the children of Israel, we're looking at them, seeing that they had to learn to be obedient, but their choice was they kept hanging on to the old ways, to murmuring, complaining, and all that stuff. And we saw how Moses did it, the new way to walk by faith. And we saw his results. We saw their results. Their heart keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And we know this because the Bible tells us in Hebrew, the Holy Spirit says, uh, harden not your heart as the children, as the day of, um, in the wilderness. So we know that their hearts, when you murmur over and over and complain all the time, your heart is getting harder and harder. That means that heart is your soul. It's you. And you are getting hard towards God. And you cannot be ever rewarded because he says you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who seek him by usage of your faith. So that's why I want to bring all that knowledge to you guys. And faith is not a Christian thing. It is a human thing. But when you put it into the kingdom of God, um, it is by way how we have to live because there's going to be judgment on that kingdom of darkness. Their financial world is going to collapse. They, 
all their food, all kinds of stuff the Bible tells us is going to happen to them. So you and I who are here on this earth, on the earth, but not of it, we then have to rely on a totally different, different systems to provide our need. We have to learn that God is our provider. We have to learn that God is our protector. We have to learn. And the only way that we can learn that is from faith to faith as he moves us from one situation to another. We are learning more about him. And then we begin to trust him more and more and more. And then we are going to come to a point when he says, turn left, you're going to turn left. He says, turn right, turn right. And he says that. He says, I, I, I want to, I know the plans I have for you. And he says, uh, the plan is for you guys to learn how to be obedient to me because in doing so, um, I tells us that he says uh, that he will show us the way that we should go, if we will. So that means that we will learn of his voice and we will walk to the right and left and all that kind of stuff as he directs us. So that's what we are learning as we are now new citizens in this kingdom. So it's not all this creepy stuff that people always say and make it sound all kind of woo-woo-woo kind of stuff. It's practical things. It's um explanation about kingdoms. Jesus said, until this kingdom is preached, you know, I'm not going to come. So this kingdom is the kingdom of God. And the Bible tells us it lives within you and I. And we just have to help excavate it so that you can uh, become a child of God. Uh, so I want to thank you guys for following me. And as we come here at this channel, we are here to learn from the Word of God who we are so that we can truly become effective and change this world.